Cause We're Nerds, the podcast that covers trends and new releases in comics, movies, video games, board games, and much more. I'm your host, Caleb, and with me is my cousin, Zach. Aw, yeah. 2019 is upon us, and we're celebrating with our month-long Level Up series. Today, we're looking at open-world gaming. Has it started to stifle variety? Is there too much or not enough of it? And how does it compare to other formats? Find out on this week's episode of Cuz We're Nerds. Grand Theft Auto, Mass Effect, Fallout, Legend of Zelda, Assassin's Creed, Red Dead Redemption, Dead Island, Final Fantasy, No Man's Sky, Sea of Thieves, Minecraft, Just Cause, Dragon Age, Fable, EVE Online, Watch Dogs, Far Cry, The Witcher, Elder Scrolls, World of Warcraft, and much more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. That was impressive. Yeah, I, uh, I I read a lot of articles before we uh, decided to podcast, so I just jotted down basically all the <laughs> all the different <laughs> open world video games people said were pretty much pinnacles of the of this um, theme or uh, design, as you will. Yeah, I gotcha. How you been doing, man? We haven't talked in a while. How was your uh, New Year's? Oh, my New Year's was rad. It was epic. What did I get? What what nerd stuff can I brag about? Um, guess you'll have to wait. To what you've been up to? Ooh, okay. Mm, so stay to the end of the podcast, folks. Um, please. <laughs> oh, before we get too far, uh, I do want to say thank you to Taylor Poole for that awesome 8-bit rendition of our opening theme song uh, <laughs> that Zach did not hear. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I um, It wasn't done in time to put on our last episode, but I just re-uploaded the last episode, so it's on there now. Uh, no. So, like, all the ones for this month are going to have, like, the 8-bit theme. Yeah. Well, unlike a pleb, I listened to that episode the moment it came out instead of waiting a week to listen to it. So that is why. That's right. Speaking of waiting, Zach, did you see the trailer for the final season of Game of Thrones? I have not. I'm actually <laughs> – I haven't watched the final previous season of Game of Thrones. <sighs> the final season of previously shown Game of Thrones thrones season seven eight tisk 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 so there's still a lot that this man doesn't know so do not spoil <laughs> do not spoil it <laughs> okay but you know but i do know that when you're talking about game of thrones anything is possible because game of thrones is literally an open world oh look at that so today we are talking about open world in gaming so if That's you right game design game design yeah um, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically like, um, and so think of a game like Mario where, you know, it's, it's pretty linear. You go from point A to point B. An open world game is where you have a wide open area. The size of that kind of depends on who you ask. And you can kind of go about and do things in different orders or, or, um, do things that aren't necessarily like the main story. Well, and I'm glad you brought up depends on who you ask Caleb because <laughs> you said Mario's point A to point B well the side scrolling Mario yes but many actually consider the N64 Mario open world right so like oh what, yeah definitely where do you draw that line I I have a definition that I totally came up with by myself and didn't steal from Wikipedia which says <laughs> uh, and it has a great definition open world is a virtual world in which a player can explore and approach objectives freely as opposed to a forced linear gameplay. Uh, and I thought that's just kind of what we'd maybe use to to loosely define open world. But when we get into the nit, uh, the 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 dirty, nitty gritty details of open world, there's actually not really a fine line. I found it's more of a very 
fuzzy gray line as to what is an open world and what's not. Yeah, it definitely is. And these are games like Grand Theft Auto. Like, that's a really popular one you could think of. Or uh, World of Warcraft. It's an MMO, but it's also open world. You can go do things and however you want, right? And so this has really started taking over gaming in the last mm, 10 years, but probably maybe even more so in the past yeah, like 10, 15. six, I think has really gotten a lot more you think oh you're you're going the other direction i'm like i'm going even deeper <laughs> well i mean well, yeah yeah you yeah, know i know what you mean i i would agree yes more and more triple a games are going towards an open world theme right i mean you look at what are what are games that are coming out you have um cyberpunk uh you have um of course, now I'm blanking in it, but like, you yeah, know, previous too. games, like, <laughs> like, you know, like the Assassin's Creed games, Red Dead Redemption 2, Zero Horizon Dawn, uh, they're, Anthem. they're, yes, that's what I'm thinking. I was thinking of Anthem that, that is not out yet, but that will be coming out. Uh, sea of Thieves, uh, came out not too long ago. Right. So all these games that have been coming out and now previously, or will be released in the future are really trying to push that open world theme. Yeah. Like think all the new Tomb Raiders open world, you know, yes. any, anything like that. Um, and so it's it's permeated and I, I have some thoughts on it. But uh, before we get to that, I thought maybe we could kind of talk about where it's come from as far as our perspectives. I was trying to think back and the oldest one I could think of off the top of my head is the original Legend of Zelda. Nice. Okay, Caleb, I'm glad you said that. I did some research on the history of open world. Did you realize there is literally no consensus on what the first open world game is? Like <laughs> yeah. every article, every everything says points at a different uh, center point as starting that open world theme. However, most articles um, will state Legend of Zelda somewhere in there. So like Game Informer, IGN, GameSpot, and The Escapist, uh, actually all four of those pointed to The Legend of Zelda as being probably the first open world, if not the first prominent open world video game. Yeah, and I did just a tiny bit of research, more cursory stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that I was reading was saying that it kind of came out of like the text-based games where you would just type in, do this or do that. You know, you could kind of do whatever, uh, which evolved into more like Ultima, if you know what that is. Sure. Uh, which that game ultimately inspired, it's either Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest. I can't remember which one. And it's Dragon Quest, I think. Dragon Quest. Okay. So um, that game was inspired by things like Dungeons and Dragons, right? And so it's kind of that lineage of tabletop or text-based where you can kind of do whatever you want and bringing it in. And like you said, that line's really blurry. I think that's why it's hard to pin down a single one. But definitely Legend of Zelda would have been one that most people are familiar with now. I don't know, like at the time, probably not. Yeah, but I mean, moving forward, you can, I mean, like that list of games I listed, you can pretty much see the stepping stones to open world. Legend of Zelda, you know, was the first because like you could, there was this other world you could explore um, and you could kind of choose your own, your own path as far as like where you were going. Uh, but the next kind of biggest one that I found out, uh, it'd be interesting to see if you agree with this, Caleb, was Grand Theft Auto, uh, the franchise, and particularly Grand Theft Auto 3. Um is seen as like one of like like a big improvement uh, in that open world theme. Now you did have some previous ones like uh, Mario N sixty four, but like as far as the advancement, GTA three was huge. Yeah, I think GTA three is the blueprint of what we think about now. 
But I do think there's some in the middle, because that's a pretty big gap. That's like a 20-year gap almost between Legend of Zelda and GTA 3. So I you're think- telling me we didn't go from grabbing swords and swinging in bushes to, well, it's Grand Theft Auto, so grabbing swords <laughs> and swinging in bushes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> hey yo, hey yo, got them. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think Mario 64 definitely revolutionized, if not open world, what a 3D game is. And I think that while 3D is not a requirement for open world, it has kind of become the de facto format for open world. Agreed, yes. And I think that without Mario 64, we would it wouldn't be the same type of open world games we have. But definitely GTA 3 set that groundwork and probably the framework for like what everything is after that. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's been some franchises that have really saturated the market with their content for open world. We, we talked about WoW, uh, now that is a little bit different, but I still think that I, I still think that you know would qualify as an open world. But specifically, if you just think the Elder Scrolls or Assassin's Creed franchise, either of those, basically all of them are open world. Yeah, or also Mass Effect. That's another big one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, kind of moving past that, Caleb, I was trying to think: Has there been any other leaps and bounds in open world gaming um, other than kind of the standard that's set, and then? what's been kind of added on uh, and perfected. And the only thing I could think of uh, was actually No Man's Sky. And say what you want about that terrible game. But um, I think that kind of leap, like progressed open world gaming forward. You know, it's weird because if you look at like GTA 3, which I I haven't actually played, but I know through osmosis and the internet, um, and you look at open world games now, they're not all that different. Really, what they've become is they've taken little pieces and little mechanics from other genres and brought them in. Uh, like, crafting is a really big thing in open world games now. And I don't think that started in open world gaming. It, it started in... Um, I know it was really big in uh, The Last of Us, which I would not classify as open world. It's kind of like in... It's a linear story, but the er- areas are kind of more open. So that's kind of like in the middle. Um and it's taken things like that and brought them in. But in terms of like a revolution like GTA 3 was, I don't really know if we've had one. I think the No Man's Sky thing you're talking about, I, I used to talk about like the scale of it and how... I th- It's more, yeah, it's the scale of it and that it's procedurally generated. So like it's even beyond what you could expect from any of these other yeah. video games. Kind of, I guess. I mean, Mass Effect has that planet exploration in it. They're not um, auto-generated the way that they are in uh, No Man's Sky, so there is like a, a definitive limit. So I don't, again, I don't know if I could call that like a revolution or just another thing that's been tacked on that makes it a little bit different. Sure, no, that that makes sense, and and that's again where that gray line comes in. So like open world, g- going back to the definition, we said okay, you could explore and approach objectives freely. Uh, versus linear gameplay, but that still doesn't really define it. So, for example, uh, Caleb, you said your first open-world video game was probably Legend of Zelda. I was trying to think about my first open-world video game. It for sure was Dungeon Siege on the computer uh, because you could explore this world and complete different objectives. And that's what, to me, that's what really defines an open world is you can explore it and B, there's side quests over the main quest. So you can, or you can at least go after the main quest several different ways. Mm-hmm. One of the first video games I remember playing or watching my dad play uh, is Mist. 
Now, are you familiar with that with that game? Yeah, it's like a puzzle game. Yeah, right. It's a puzzle game. Now, I was wrestling with, is that considered open world? Because on one hand, there's a vast space you can explore. You have different puzzles you can solve. And what from what I can remember, uh, maybe maybe not in at least Mist, but in, in the sequels, you can solve different puzzles unchronologically. However, there's just one objective. It's to find pages and put them in a book. And that is it. There's no other side objective, no other thing you can do. So like, would you consider Mist an open world video game? Yeah, I would. I, I don't think that an open world game has to have other objectives. I think that it just allows you, it doesn't force you to go forward, right? Like a lot of games force you to move forward. And when I said Legend of Zelda, that's not the first one I played. I've never played the original. It's just the first oh, sure. one I could think of. But talking about this specifically, one of the first ones I did play, because I was trying to think of what it was, would have been Pokemon. Oh, and I was humming Spider-Man theme. I was like, all right, it's Spider-Man 2. Here we go. Actually, that's that's the other one I have written down right below. There you go, yeah. I think I played Pokemon just a tiny bit earlier, though. Sure. But Pokemon's kind of that same thing. I mean, yeah, you can collect all the Pokemon, but the main goal is to get the gym badges and to go to the end. But you can go off and do other things without progressing that story, and I would still consider Pokemon open world. Sure. So when I was trying to write down then some open world video games that I'm kind of currently playing versus some linear games that I literally just either got done with or have currently played. Um, the linear games that I put down would be Doom, as in like the, the relaunch mm -hmm. um, of Doom, and then uh, Wolfenstein. And I'm, again, the relaunch of Wolfenstein. Right. So like Old Blood and all that stuff. Because those are, are pretty linear. It's I mean, you're on a track. You uh -huh. can't really explore outside of the track. You can go backwards. Um and you can explore kind of that area, but it's, you know, it's very linear. It's kill the Nazis or kill the monsters and yeah. go on to like the next thing. And, and that's about it. At, you know, there's no, you can't run outside the castle. You can't run outside, you know, go explore Mars and Doom or any of that stuff versus uh, other two games that I'm currently playing, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Prey. Uh, and both of those where you can definitely go after different objectives, explore the spaceship or... Uh, grease like and do whatever yeah definitely and anything that's like level based kind of like doom is i would say is almost always going to be a linear game i don't know how you do a level based game that's not i mean ah uh, well i don't know i'm thinking back to um uh oh what's it called dark forces which is kind of like an original doom clone which is level based but you also have a massive open area. So it's kind of another mix where you can go around and do things and there's a objective, but it's not like a start at the beginning, go to point B type thing. It, it's it's a little bit more like a puzzle as well. Sure. But I, I, I still feel like um, games where there are levels are can't be defined as open world because, I mean, you know, linear games, you you have ones that are strictly railroading you and ones where there is some exploration, but it's still a railroad oh, yeah. versus I feel like what defines an open world is that you can literally go and play the game for hours without completing the main objective and still be doing other objectives or at least moving the plot forward somehow. Yeah. Or it, your character development. Or, I should or, say plot, character development. Or doing other fun things that you can yes. do, right? Yes. So like um, a, a good example of uh, another really big popular one a couple of years ago, Final Fantasy 15, 
was a, a complete departure from what that series had done before. And the other ones had been open world, but this one went open world Western style, which is what a lot of the games we've been talking about are. And it's... it's Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> literally Western style. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's kind of what we think. But one thing that I've kind of grown concerned about is with this advent of all of these open world games, which for a long time was really cool. I mean, like you mentioned, Spider-Man 2 uh, was just a couple of years after GTA 3. It was one of the earlier open world games, and it was amazing. But a lot of the games that come out today, most of the AAA games that are coming out are all open world. And I'm I'm worried that it's forcing us to lose the variety in gaming. Because like we've said, a lot of the things that have come out in the last 15 years are mostly the same with just different little elements tacked on. Yeah, no, no, no. I, th- that's definitely true. I mean, I think it's that's one of the um, disadvantages of open world gaming is that you can say it's a trend. In fact, Caleb, would you like to jump into maybe the like what what is good, what is bad disadvantages, advantages of each either an open versus a linear game? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So, I mean. Let's start with open gaming, since obviously that's what we've been talking about. And let's just jump into those why maybe an open world gaming is bad. And I, I, I agree with you. It has some disadvantages. And one of those is that it's a trend and trends will die off, question mark. Yeah, I mean, trends come and go and trends aren't necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, I think one thing that has been a problem with open world gaming currently and then in the past definitely like five years is it seems like developers just want to force whatever game they're trying to make into an open world setting when an open world setting doesn't necessarily fit the game they're trying to make yes and that's a a a really big problem at the core like let's take for example spider-man does spider-man have to be open world no but he is a, a traversal character which means he moves a great distance very quickly he kind of fits more of an open world style of game. Um, take something like Candy Crush. Does it deserve <laughs> open world? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Candy Crush, the game. Side note: As we're talking about video games, Caleb, do you know what video game makes the most amount of money in 2018? Oh, it's probably a stupid mobile game. Candy Crush. Candy really? Crush. Beat Fortnite by at least one to half a billion dollars. That just makes me really sad. <laughs> yep. Candy Crush made $1.5 billion in 2018, and about $1 billion of those dollars came from the original Candy Crush saga, which is like the original, original one, not even like all their spinoffs they've had. Yeah, that's it's all those in-game purchases, I think. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, so I I was trying to think of a game and, oh, um, Tomb Raider. I think Tomb Raider does not work as an open world game. I think that the joy of Tomb Raider is going through the tombs. And when you put it in this open world and half the game is out in the jungle, that doesn't work as well. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as good. And they put that into an open world. It was different for the series. It was new. Maybe it's good for a one-time thing, but they they kept doing it. And those are the types of things that I think are very, very problematic in the current state of gaming. Sure. I mean, I I think along with that, too, 
um, that ties along with your point. I think a huge disadvantage to open world is development issues is because it's so massive is a lot of time different development issues are either a put on the back burner to tackle later and they never are or b it's just the propensity to have bugs and different glitches increases mm-hmm. because of this open world right you can look at uh, assassin's creed oh i'm blanking on it uh assassin we'll call it assassin's creed england or no or was it french no it's france um do you know what I'm talking about? Assassin's yeah, Creed. Yeah, that's Man, um. If you're a listener, shout shout uh, out your radio right now. What's, us, what's it called? Hold on, you. hold on. I think I have it on my computer because it it came free. <laughs> there it is. Okay, as Caleb's searching for that, I'll I'll tell you about it. I mean, but when that was released, uh, you know, I think it was France, uh, and the England one did have some issues, but not as bad as the one in France. But when it, the Assassin's Creed was released, I mean, it was just terrible. The the images that you would see of people Sin- like Unity, Unity. Yes, yes, Assassin's Creed Unity of people's faces like distorted uh, and, and, you know, mess ups happening as well. We've seen a lot of that with the new Fallout game, Fallout 76. Oh, yeah. Is that it's uh, people have found ways like, okay, one guy I was reading an article has found a way to become invincible. Like he literally, literally Mm -hmm. cannot die in the game. I saw that. And it's not fun for him at all because he wants to die. And so he had emailed developers asking <laughs> to kill his character and they sent back that they won it. <laughs> so he's doomed to wander the wasteland mm-hmm. and never die, which has just completely ruined the game for him. And, and that game's got other stuff on it as well, because that's also an MMO, which even further exacerbates the stuff you're talking about. But definitely when you when you take a game and you make it open world, I don't know if people understand how much more work that is, not only from just crafting the landscape, but making sure that your physics system is not going to clash with the world that you have created. I know there's been some complaints with uh, Red Dead, where people will be riding their horse and they'll just hit a tiny rock and the horse will go flying and it'll kill them because the physics system is not jiving. And debugging that and figuring out that balance is so so difficult and time consuming when you take what would be a small playable area and you make it this massive map yeah or or for example the weather changes and your balls <laughs> the horse's balls don't change and and what yep you said it boys you said it <laughs> so red dead redemption you, i don't know if you heard red dead redemption had like like part of their marketing campaign, one of it was that, that it was so in-depth that when the weather changes, the size of the balls on the horse will change. So when it gets cold, <laughs> it shrinks. Not even lying. Oh, so, you know, there's oh, glitches with that. I feel I feel so sorry for that developer that had to do that. <laughs> Man, think about that. Like, when it took us five years to make this game. Ed, what did you do? Man, I got to work on these amazing landscapes. Phil, what did you do? I worked on gun physics. Spencer, what did you do? Horses balls for the last five years. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a really great point, too. Think about all the open world games that have come out. They have long, long development cycles because not, it's so much work. Yeah, and not only long development cycles. Another issue with open world games are that they're simply very, very long. If you're looking for a 
a shorter game. I mean, Doom and Wolfenstein are great. Those those games that have levels because you can play a level, you can beat it in maybe like thirty minutes or, or whatever time frame it takes you, and you're and you're done with that level, right? And then the whole game is just going to take you maybe sixteen hours, twelve hours, you know, depending on the difficulty. But it's not a long drawn out game. Now switch that to an open world game, and you can be playing Red Dead. Fallout, Spider-Man for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours of gameplay if you were trying to complete all the minor objectives, complete all the unlocks, and do everything you possibly can. And then once you do that, you can continue to play it. So it's really a time pit and a commitment. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, that can also be a really good thing. If you're looking for a long game, if you're looking to make a big investment in a game, open world games are where it's at. The linear games just do not have the same amount of time because they are a very tailored experience and you can't do as many variations or things like that in those. So those end much quicker. So if you're looking for an epic tale, if you're looking for something, the scale of Lord of the Rings, that is really tailored to open world gaming. Exactly. It's it's two sides of the same coin. Very long on one end, but hours of gameplay on the other. Yeah, I, I think that open world works really, bel- really well for any adventure style story. Uh, like, a, like I was saying, kind of like Lord of the Rings, any large sprawling thing, anything where uh, you're a character that can move very quickly. Like if they were to make a Flash game, uh, like the superhero of the Flash, I would expect that to be open world because you can move so quickly. I don't know how something like that could be contained to such a small area. I also think that open world works really, really well for a mysterious game, something where you're hiding things throughout the world and you have to find them or, or you know, things where there's secrets in a game. All of that stuff, I think, works really, really well for open world. Yeah, I've done, for most games, open world can work very well if, if done correctly, right? I mean, the there's a lot of advantage to it. You have control, so you feel more like that character, more like you're in control of the character, not like you're you know, following a storyline. There's exploration elements to it, so if you like to explore and traverse passes on your own, it's great for that. And there's a lot, like you just stated, Caleb, depth. There is more depth to the gameplay because you can find out more about the world you're exploring, more about the world you're in, more about the depth of your character. I mean, kind of go back to our uh, D&D podcast when we talked about how as a as a, uh, a dungeon master, the worst thing you can do is railroad somebody. Well, a linear game is railroading you in that game. It's telling you, you have to do this. And this is the only way to do that versus an open world game where you can go about that many different ways and can choose which kind of path your character wants to take. Yeah, and definitely. And um, I, I also think that you really hit another major point right there is that story wise, open world games can be fine. They can have great stories, but it's much easier for a linear game to have a fantastic story Because when we think of story, story is something that starts at point A, ends at point B. It is linear. Stories aren't typically anything that's not linear. And so when you take a game and you make it open world and you split it up, that's more of a lore. That's more of world building. It is called a open world for a reason. But story-wise, linear games, and we've seen this a lot lately. Think of games like Detroit Become Human. Think of games like Uncharted that are very cinematic, very hailed for their stories, because it is a linear game and that helps them. Yes, you're restricting it a little bit, but that's the focus of those games and they do it really, really well. 
you just say Just Cause is a linear game? Did I say Just Cause? Yes. So I meant Uncharted. I'm sorry. Okay. I was like, hmm. In yeah, that yeah. case, let me uh, redo this opening here. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, sorry. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Meant, I meant the Uncharted series. But I, I, I will say, uh, I think a negative to open world games is that the side quests usually are all the same side quests. And I don't mean in the game itself. Like, in the game itself, they're very, very different. I mean, like, open world versus open world, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, if if you're playing a Lord of the Rings game, one of your side quests is, hey, go kill that guy and take his treasure. If you're playing Mass Effect, hey, go kill that guy and take his treasure. Skyrim, hey, go kill that guy and take his treasure, right? It's always, go kill somebody else and take his treasure. Go explore another place. Go do something for somebody. Um... And mm-hmm. upgrade yourself, right? And so there's like six. I think there's six <laughs> six yeah, basic types. There's like six basic types, right? And and those types are going to be the same no matter if you're playing Red Dead Redemption, uh, a Western video game, or if you're in space with Mass Effect, or you're in post-apocalyptic America and Fallout. They're going to kind of be the same type of side quests. Yeah, and it depends on how much work the developer wants to put into those, in terms of how different they feel, right? So like playing Final Fantasy 15. Um, several of them felt identical. There were a few that felt very different, though. And while I haven't played it, I've heard that the Witcher side crest, uh, the Witcher 3, yes. is that they're fantastic. Like, they are all very different. They feel different. But that's very hard to do, again, in an open world, because if you've got, I don't know, 500 square miles of stuff, and you want to have something every three miles, you know, that's a lot of quests to come up with. Mass Effect, can I bang every one of my crew members? <laughs> That's not exactly how that goes. <laughs> okay, it's not a side quest, but That's... like you lit it's part of the open world that you literally can do. Um yep. no yep. not in the first one. Not in the first one. You sure? <laughs> Positive. I, I played it just a few years ago. Anyway, this right. is not important. <laughs> no, it is not important. Okay, well, Caleb, we've we've been talking about open world games. Going to like linear games, what would you say are maybe the shortcomings when it when it comes to those type of games? So the shortcomings of these are kind of like the the benefits of open world. They're it's kind of like you know the the two sides of the coin where these you it's it's hard to have like an epic scale, uh, like a long long story, but you can have a a, a very intense intimate story in them i i think that um one of the great benefits of a linear game is you're able to have a much more tailored experience for the player versus something like an open world where you have to build a sandbox and just let them do what they want yeah i mean i think they're like you said the the disadvantages are kind of the flip side and and that stays the same for the advantages as well and when it comes to these linear games, you know, Caleb, you just mentioned this, but like there it's, it's, it's simple. It's not taxing and it doesn't take hours on end. And so like, I don't know about you, but there are games that I have played that uh, are open world that I simply didn't finish. Fallout 4 is one of them. I know how it ends. uh, And it was a great game. I just didn't have time. And I was trying to do all the different side quests Mm -hmm. and I just lost focus of the main quest. And when I tried to go back to it, I didn't really remember what was going on in the main quest. And so I just decided to move on to another video game. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's another big problem, uh, which can be handled with the game design, depending on how the developers decide to 
uh, incentivize those side quests or the length of the main story they decide to take. It really just depends. Most of them, you're right, they have a lot of side quests that aren't very much fun. And if you try to go complete them, it's it's just a time sink. But one one probably, aside from the story, probably the biggest benefit to a non-open world game that that I can see is because you are confined in a much smaller box in terms of what you can do, there is much more freedom with unique gameplay mechanics uh, and unique new ideas that you can do in a, a linear game that you can't do in open world. For example, um, there's a game, I can't remember the name of it. It's kind of like a platformer, but the gimmick was you change gravity. Um, and I'm not talking about um, Gravity Rush. This is a, a 2D game where you basically like hop to the ceiling and then you go through some stuff and you have to hop back and forth and control the gravity, which wouldn't work as well um, in that style of gameplay as it as uh, in a in a open world environment, I think that um, you can also do very unique things with the combat or with the health or or anything like that. Uh, or with the art, beautiful Joe. There de- you go. Definitely, beautiful Joe is another one. Uh, I mean, The Last of Us um, is very tense. There's a lot of a lot of unique things that you happen in that because it's tailored. You know that you're going to have to come through this hall, and so you know that at this time, this one thing's going to fall and it's going to scare the player. You know, Uncharted, same thing. You you know that the player has to come down uh, this massive falling tower. So you're going to have this quick time of it, which is more story focused. But on the flip side of that, you might have this small area with a, a really complex puzzle, which might be a lot harder to do in an open world game because of the physics engines. Yeah, you know, I... I think with a linear game, you can have more focus and it, it can feel more complete. But I think it's also you also have to be aware that that can still say the same, stay the same for open world games. Like so, for example, I'm playing a game right now, Prey. Uh, it was like this kind of secret hit of 2016. It is a fantastic game if you haven't played it. It's like what Dead Space should have been. Uh, and so you're 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 trapped uh, in in this place. It's in outer space and. Um, there's aliens who are who are trying to take over, uh, and anyways, you, you find out. I mean, it's very very focused on the storyline, and so I have all these minor objectives I can complete. But the minor objectives actually reveal stuff more about the situation that has caused uh, whatever to happen on the on this uh, station, as well as like my character itself. So, for example, like I have a recording from my character previously. And he, And he's like, and this is the main objective. He's like, oh, do this. And then the side objective appears and I get another recording from my same character previously who says, actually, I want you to do this. So it's like, okay, which is telling the truth? Because now I can go either direction. I don't Mm -hmm. have to follow the main one, right? So, and it it adds more depth, which you couldn't get in a linear game. Yeah, definitely. And and none of the things that we're saying are always 100% of the time true. They're generalities. I mean- You'll always find a game that bucks the trend, and I'm not. And I'm not saying like e- either one is worse than the other or better than the other. I I like linear games and I like open world games just the same. I I think that one of the problems has been because open world gaming was so revolutionary in the way it was done after GTA Three came out, the public really responds to that type of game, which in turn I think forces developers to develop games that way because they think that that's what's going to bring them the big paycheck or get them through the next three years. 
because I don't know if you know this, Zach, but games typically, uh, when they're in development, they go into the red. And oh, yeah. the goal is make money when it comes out so you can survive for the next three years and make up the money you just lost uh, so that you can develop your next game. It's it's a very tough, um, what's the word? Area of work to work in. Industry, maybe. <laughs> there you go. Industry. It's a, it's a really tough industry to work in because of that type of thing. And I think that people's want for open world and their kind of blind uh, devotion to it has led developers that way. But I do actually think that we're starting to see a shift. I've noticed a lot more games that are not open world kind of be popular. And I think that's good. I think you need a balance, perfectly balanced, as everything should be. <laughs> as everything should be. I'm glad you brought that up, Caleb. I, I, you know, I feel like we've probably been bashing maybe open world more than crediting it with anything uh, during this podcast. But really, open world revolutionized the game industry and is definitely, definitely fantastic. When it comes to open world versus linear, I don't think there's a winner and I don't think there can be because when you look at those two games, they're just so vastly different. And it's going to depend on the like what you, what you're in the mood for and the type of gamer. Some gamers... Uh, who are listening to this, you probably prefer, uh, <coughs> can't speak today, uh, prefer linear games, right? And other games are going to prefer open games. As far as myself, I like a mix like you just said, Caleb. I had played Wolfenstein, like that was my, my latest game I played, loved it. And then I'm switching to Prey, which was a linear game. And now I switched to Prey, which is an open world game, and love that as well. I love both types of games. They're both fanta- fantastic, uh, and they both work really well. Yeah, I agree. And and the, the I guess one of the last like big points I want to make is that my, in my personal opinion, I think that um the games industry has gotten in some ways a little bit lazy. Of course, there's always those big games that come out and buck the trend, but in some ways a little bit lazy with the open world gimmick. Um and that's why I'm I'm having some issues. A few years ago, my problem with this was that every single game was a first-person shooter. Like all the big games are FPS and and you couldn't come up with anything else. Platformers weren't around. Well, platformers have now made a comeback. They're they're doing stuff. Retro games are coming back with all the remasters. Everything's cyclical, you know. But I think that the open world game industry is just a little bit too big. I think maybe shrink down, have more of a balance, have more variety. That's That's the big takeaway is we need variety. We need open world games. We need linear games. We need fighting games. We need puzzle games. We need racing games. We need cart racing games. All these different things we need. Um, Except Fortnite. We don't need Fortnite. Eh, Fortnite's okay. Let those people have what they want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we, We all need these different things. But, you know, don't force all of them into the open world format. Agreed. Yeah. I I guess... Having Having variety... Variety is key. Yeah, and there's there's only so many times we can say that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a space for everyone at the video game table, except Minecraft, Candy Crush, Zach. You you, you can't even stop. Just racing just games, get out. soccer get out. games. You can't you can't just Minecraft like that. Battlefield, World War <laughs> Battlefield Five, and everything else that uh, sucks. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's it. No, <laughs> Do you not like Minecraft? No, it's fine. It's all fine. Steve's fine. Steve's my best man. Tisk, tisk, <laughs> tisk, Zach. There's a lot of tisking this year. There's this, uh, this a lot week. of tisking, but that, but that's okay. <laughs> but 
that's that, you know, but we would actually love to hear your thoughts on what you prefer, open world versus linear. Uh, also, some of your favorite games in each. Um, one of my favorite open world games, obviously, Skyrim was great, and that's a lot of people. But what about linear? You know, um, tell us both. We want to know, and maybe we'll bring it back up if we get some good answers. And if not, then we've gotten... Z- probably zero answers or the, or the worst answers you could believe <laughs> yeah and that's your fault <laughs> and we're, that's it that's we're all putting on you, this okay? on you <laughs> <laughs> we're done we're not working anymore it's, it's your turn put yeah. some effort into this <laughs> <laughs> but that was that and this is this it's time for what you've been up to so zach since you have had lots of time uh away doing all kinds of fun christmas and new year's things what have you been up to before we begin Caleb, I feel like we need a little jingle to go along with what you've been up to. Here is my idea. What you been up to? <laughs> you know, I've been trying. Feel, feel free to use that in uh, <laughs> other episodes if you want. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been trying for months now to actually get someone to make a jingle for me. Um, and I had a guy lined up and he was going to do it. And then he just never did. Taylor Poole, you have betrayed us for the last time. No, that wasn't Taylor. Oh, okay. No, that was not Taylor. I wasn't oh, okay, I wasn't okay. gonna ask Taylor because I've we've asked a lot of him and I didn't want to just keep asking him <laughs> for stuff. Um, that's what ta- that's that's what he's good for though. Yeah. Just well, asking him for favors, man. <laughs> just asking. I also wanted something with lyrics that said what you've been up to, and I don't know if he sings like that or not. Um, you're not you're not good enough for us, Taylor. We're done. This relationship that we've had is over. But he just made the awesome 8-bit intro. Taylor, you're the best. Everybody visit his website. (laughs) All right. So what have I been up to? Well, uh, I I talked a lot about that video game uh, that I've been playing, Prey. Highly recommend it. I think you can get it for like $20 to $25. uh, PS4 and Xbox uh, and and computer as well. A horror game? Yeah. Yes and no. I I don't find it as if you're familiar with Dead Space that really pushed like hey this is a sci-fi horror. I don't find Prey as horrific as that. Yes, it still has I mean it's still kind of meant to be a little scary. Um and the fact that like people are murdered on the space station and what happened this, you have this to looks out very aliens. scary <laughs> yeah no but here's the thing right so like dead space was a survival which means the amount of resources you got were very limited right. prey is not like the resources you have are very substantial uh and it's really just folk like what i love about it is it's more of a mystery is i still don't know what happened and it like it throws so many red herrings and curveballs your way that like like within the opening two minutes there is a massive a massive curveball that's thrown your way which you're like oh i like i see where this is going and then you're like what like what just happened and and but it makes sense in the storyline so like from that get-go like the game hooked me and it's it's just a phenomenal game so highly highly recommend it pray i I think Uh, i think the the real question is though why is the main character wearing a mysterio fishbowl can I say because he's Asian? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's just, just their uh, space helmets. I guess they're better than um, astronaut helmets. It looks astronaut? really weird if you haven't seen it. it it's like a fishbowl, but it's um, it's not smooth. It's like fractaled. 
Like it's made yeah, up yeah. of um, it's, it's triangles. A, the, so this the game takes place in an alternate timeline. Like apparently instead of the coal, coal, I haven't read all the documents just because I don't like reading some kind of video <laughs> game. Uh, but from what I've from what I've skimmed in the numerous amount of documents and books you find is that something along the lines of JFK was never assassinated. And then the Cold War never happened, and mm. him and the Russians actually joined together for the space race, and then like decided to like they got really far advanced and decided just to stop. And then private companies, kind of like what's happening now, like with Elon Musk and SpaceX, picked up where they left off, and then really like went to town. Wait, is your main character actually Asian? Yes. Oh, I found a picture of. Him. I thought you were kidding. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Your main character, uh, I believe it's Morgan Yu. Uh, yeah, he is. And then you have Okay, a then no, you can't it. say that. Oh, but okay. Too late. Done. You're going to go edit, to jail edit, now. Edit, I would say edit it out, but I know you won't. You're crucified in the court of public opinion. Ah! Okay, the other thing <laughs> I've been up to then, talking about public opinion. Actually, I don't know. I don't know anything about public opinion on this one, but Zach's opinion is on Batman Volume 3. So that's the current vo- issues. Uh, that's been running since 2016, uh, and it is with Tom King. It's Tom oh, King's run, yeah. Some so, comics, finally, on a yes, comic-based podcast. That's <laughs> you would think. So I, I'm a Marvel guy, so I have been reading, like, The Avengers. Um, I recommend that. It's it's okay. It's not, like, amazing, the current Avengers run, but it's, like, it's okay. Um, I read Daredevil. Uh, I can't remember who the writer was, but it was, like, his last. It was the death of Daredevil. It was, like, his last issues. That was, again, okay as well. Um, there's a curveball in there, which is okay. I decided, I was like, okay, these are fine. And so I wanted to read some Batman. Now, as a reader who has not read Batman extensively, but has read him more on Justice League or somewhat uh, smaller individual issues, mm-hmm. His run, Tom King's run after issue 50, I just started issue 50, has been phenomenal. Now, for those who are not aware, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it because issue 50 has been long gone. Uh, Black Cat and Batman were supposed to be married. They were going to get married. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. Spoiler alert. Um, They do not. Black Cat leaves Batman at the altar. And so the next kind of there's there's a couple there's cold days beasts of burden, the tyrant wing, and that kind of spans 51 all the way up to 60. Then there's another kind of arc that's not finished yet nightmare 60 to 62 they are all excellent because batman's kind of reeling from this so it's all about his identity so in the first three issues 51 through 53 it's about how bruce wayne is on trial for batman versus mr freeze so mr so it's like does that make sense no okay so there's there's a court case about how is Mr. Freeze guilty? Batman basically goes and like beats the crap out of him. But Mr. Freeze says like he's not guilty of the crimes he was accused of committing. And so there's a jury to decide it. And Bruce Wayne is on that jury. So it's really interesting. Oh. Like, yeah. It's, it's, that's not dynamic. legal. <laughs> <laughs> it's Batman. He does whatever he wants. <laughs> it's so it's really. And then there's an, and then like the story arc after that, Beasts of Burden. Uh, is uh, a, another character, and and all, all I'll say is Batman has Nightwing. Like Nightwing kind of comes back to help Batman from this loss, and something kind of like huge happens. Like it's it's like it's, again, I'm talking about those curveballs. It's a huge curveball, and then in the Tyrant Wing, the the last story arc that just happened, something else just like through like out of left field happened, and the only thing I will mention is Flashpoint Paradox, and it's just like. 
it's been amazing. So definitely, definitely highly recommend it. I haven't read a lot of them before 50. Um, I did read, read 50, but if I would start out, start by reading the cold days, 51 through 53, and then just continue on from there. Nice. That sounds really good. I, I haven't been reading as many comics as I should have. I'm still pretty far behind. Yeah, well, that's what I've been up to. Caleb, what you been up to? Well, speaking of reading, I have been reading something other than comics. No, I, we don't need to hear this. We don't. We No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Your tentacle magna, mag, mag, whatever it, magna, <clears throat> ma- magenta. It, it might help if you can pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Uh, funny, it actually probably does have tentacles in it. Oh, no! <laughs> um, it's, it's a novel. So, um, it's called Spider-Man, The Venom Factor. Um, Ooh. And so, I don't think I've talked about this on the show before. I have, like, a, like, a secret thing for, uh, old school Marvel novels. Okay. They, they stopped doing them for a long time, but in, like, the 90s and early 2000s especially, they published a lot of novels. And uh, I read a couple a few years ago, and uh, well, several several years ago now, and it's just hooked me to them. And um, so I've been going on like a buying spree recently. Uh, nice. I'll go to used bookstores, and whenever I can find them, I'll I'll pick them up. In fact, I just went um, this week, and I found like six new ones. Um, not just Spider Man. I've got all kinds. I've got X Men ones. I've got Captain America, Fantastic Four. Um, there's a lot of them. And so I started a new one yesterday. I'm not very far in. Just read uh, the prologue, really. Um, but it is called Spider-Man The Venom Factor by Diane Duane, I think is uh, the author. Um, it looks to be okay. The The prologue was a little iffy because it was set in a um, submarine. And there was lots of naval oh. naval hmm. talk that I had no idea what was going on. Now, now, Caleb, for somebody who, you know, to the audience and well, to myself, I strictly know superheroes from either comics or movies so very very visual how does that translate into a novel where it's just words on a page man words on a page so i i think it really depends on the author um i have not read enough to have read a bad one so uh i probably will soon but i can tell you that for the the good authors it is still fantastic uh the one that i read first that really caught me is called spider-man uh return of the sinister six by Adam Troy Castro, I think is his name. Uh, that's actually book two. I didn't know it at the time. That's book two of a trilogy. Um, I have book three. Um, I don't have the first one. I have never seen it. I'm trying to find it without having to order it. Um, but he is able to convey it fantastically. Like, he'll he'll talk about, you know, Spider-Man doing the somersaults or acrobatics or backflips or or whatever. In fact, that book, I think, is far superior to a lot of the Spider-Man comic books I have read um, uh, got in, in my life. Far superior? That's right. Uh, I totally uh. did that on purpose. <laughs> and um, it, that's fantastic. If you're going to try to read a Spider-Man novel, read that one. It doesn't matter that it's the second one. You'll pick it up just fine. It'll all make sense. Um, very, very well done. Uh, so... Yeah, check that out. And then right. I, what's the what's the name of that one? One more time. That's a spider. Hold on, let me turn around to make sure I'm telling you right. <laughs> um, sorry, no, it was Spider Man: Revenge of the Sinister Six uh, by Adam Troy Castro. There we go. Revenge of the Sinister Six. By the way, we're video chatting, and when Caleb did that, he really just pulled down his pants and mooned me. There was no book behind him. He there was no reason for him to do that. 
Well, I... He did. He did. Sharing is caring. <laughs> it can be fun. <laughs> oh, no. There's no video, by the way. There's um, no video. Uh, let's see. I did other, two other things uh, this past week, kind of. Uh, one, I finished Detroit Become Human, which is why I brought it up so many times. Yes. Fresh on my mind. Um, you don't have a PS4, right? No, I'm not a pleb. That's right. So <laughs> you can't play this awesome game. Um, this is fantastic. Uh, it's a game with truly branching storylines. A lot of games say they have them, and they don't really. Um, a lot of the decisions you make in this game really affect the outcome. I'm not going to say exactly what my outcome was because uh, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. And it's kind of like iRobot, right? Um, kind of. It's similar to iRobot. It's similar to Westworld. It's similar to any of those sure. um, androids or kind of people-ish type games. Sure. Um, I don't. I don't want to give away the main conceit. I might talk about this a little bit next week with Jacob because he has finished the game. We might do a spoiler section where I talk about the ending. Um, oh, that'd be fun to compare each other's endings. Yeah, we we talked. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh no! Did you do that uh, on purpose? No, no I, I didn't actually. But sounds just like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it it was it was really really good. If you have a PlayStation Four, uh, I highly suggest you go out and buy it. I picked mine up during Black Friday, so I got it for like twenty bucks. Um, yeah, it's probably not twenty bucks. Fifteen ninety nine. Here we go. <laughs> uh, but. Definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, and then the last thing is something I meant to bring up last week, and I completely forgot because I had about a million things that I did last week. Um, I watched uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. So I have watched all of the episodes except that one. I haven't done it yet. What did you think, and how did it the choose-your-own-choice mechanic work? Okay, so I've watched the first two or three seasons I, th- I think the, the first three seasons of Black Mirror, I haven't caught up on all the stuff that the Netflix ones that they've done since they've gotten it. Um, so this one, I was like really curious. When I first heard what it was, I was like, no, that's stupid. I mean, choose your own adventure. I read the books when I was little. I've done some stuff like that. You know, not not really cool. Um, going through it, though, excuse me, um, it was, I really enjoyed it. I've listened to some people that really didn't like it and thought it was really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was incredibly impressive. So there, in a lot of stuff like this, the choices are, do you want to cut, do you want to dye your hair black or do you want to dye your hair blue? Um, and it doesn't really make any you know difference. There are some of those types of decisions in this game. However, there are a lot of decisions that really change the outcome. Um, and it's, I was very surprised how seamless it is. So in a lot of things like this, I've done before, uh, something will happen and the screen will pause until you make a decision and then whatever you pressed, it'll play the next thing. This one is different to where they'll, something will be said and then the little thing at the bottom will pop up to make your decision. The movie continues to play. And when you make your decision, um, the timer still goes down when the timer runs out the movie continues with the choice you made. So it never wow. stops. Nice. Um, so it's really fluid like that. There is kind of a pattern to how that works. You'll notice if you watch it enough, um, but it's really good. You can basically the way it works is if you get, if you make a wrong decision, um, sometimes it'll end the game or like you'll get two more decisions and it will end. I called it a game, the movie. Um, 
And if that happens, you can go back and try different paths. Like you just, can you click like back, back, and then you're fine? Or do you have to restart the whole thing over again? No, you don't have to restart the whole thing. It takes you back to, it depends. It'll either take you back to a specific point it chooses, or you can kind of choose where, depending on what you've done. Um, But where it really gets interesting is some, is like when you do that, um, it'll show you like a, a montage cut of the choices you've already made. So just kind of to refresh your memory, but it's really quick. But sometimes, depending on the choices you've made that led to that ending, that ended your your movie, it will change things in your flashback. Wow. So it knows that you've picked these things and you're still seeing the same choices you've made, but with variations on them depending on what happened. Um, there is... One option, so I went through this multiple times. I went through one end and I went back and I did another end. I got almost all the endings. I think there's one major one I didn't get, but I watched it online. Uh, One of them gets incredibly meta and it really, really sold me on the concept. Um, They play a little bit with the fact that, well, I don't want to say. Uh, They they play with the format a little bit. And I I, I think that... That is a big surprise when it happens, um, and it really made me go, "Okay, this is something only Black Mirror could do." Now, my now my question is how how do they host this on Netflix? Like, I, I'm just surprised it's all contained in one video versus like you can't like search and just find all these different clips. Yeah, the the way it's presented is just like a regular movie. You click it. There are some things that it's not supported on because it's interactive. Like, I couldn't watch it on my Apple TV. Uh, I had to use my PlayStation to do it. Sure. Uh, you can do it on your computer. You can do it on most things. Um, but it's it's just the way they've got it stored. It looks like one movie. Nice. Well, I, I'm definitely sold, and I will probably have to watch it as well. Yeah, definitely check it out and let me know what you thought. Uh, and we can talk endings uh, and what you got, because it's there's some crazy stuff that happens. Talking about crazy stuff, I mean, I know you guys already talked a little bit about a bird box, but... Caleb, should we try the Bird Box Challenge? Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, (laughs) so Netflix has had to tweet out, please do not complete the Bird Box Challenge because idiots, uh, it's kind of like the Tide Pod Challenge, but just different, uh, have decided that like the movie Bird Box, they will go throughout their day completely blindfolded. So in fact, I just uh, was reading a story online of a teen crashing her vehicle um, I can't remember which state she was in, but because she decided to, you know, drive blindfolded like they do in the movie. I don't know what would possess you to think that's a good idea. Yep. So you kind of go throughout your day, right? So like the moment you wake up, you blindfold yourself. So like taking a shower, trying to cook a meal, trying to drive, trying to work, all the fun stuff you do blindfolded. So Twitter has, you know, basically said, please, please don't, please don't kill people. Please <sighs> that just, don't. That just opens you up to slipping and hurting yourself, burning yourself, cutting yourself, walking out into the road, running over other people. How do you even work blindfolded? I don't know. But let's be honest. We basically go blindfolded into this podcast. Uh, can I get a got him? No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was close, but uh, I made the choice not to. Ah, ah. well, I will snatch your your bunder comp camp. 
Anyway, uh, we do want to say thank you to Taylor Pool. Yes, for, thank you for our traditional opening and this Wait, or, awesome. Or do we? Or do we? We never, we never decided on that. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll give you the option. Oh, Taylor Pool. We might possibly thank you in the future, but maybe not. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, for our awesome music. Uh, also, check out our friends over at the CNC Power Hour, where they stream Magic the Gathering. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, dun, most people dun, probably dun. tuned out at this point. I forgot my special announcement. Uh, oh, man, I meant to say it at the very beginning, and I completely forgot. I have a special did, announcement, did, did Zach. You, did you want to save it to the... Uh, Okay, two options. You can save it for next week's episode, or you can continue on and let the last few listeners who are still listening know. No, this will be a reward for making it to the end. Nice. Guys, listen up. This is your reward. And right. gals. So uh, my special announcement is that uh, I will be flying out to California at the end of the month and attending a special tribute event uh, for Stan Lee. What? Mm-hmm. So uh, this event, what it's going to be, uh, you might have heard about it online. I don't know how how much it got around, uh, but basically there is going to be like a gallery of his work uh, beforehand. This is at the Chinese Theater in L.A., a very famous spot. This is where wow. Star Wars first premiered. Um, Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. A lot of different things have been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll go inside. Kevin Smith is hosting, and there will be a, a massive panel discussion with uh, people there. Mark Hamill is supposed to be there. Wow. Um, there's going to be Stan's favorite music is going to be performed, poetry, stuff like that. So I will be there. Uh, my goal is to take as many pictures as I can and post them to the Cuz We're Nerds nice. uh, Instagram to try to share it with everybody. Um, this might not sound like a big deal to some of you. This is a massive deal to me. Um, this is probably the only time I'm ever going to be able to, able to do anything like this, be at an event with a red carpet. Um, and it really just, it's for Stan and, you know, Stan passed last year and it, that was a, a really big deal to me. So I, I want to be there and kind of recognize his life. Uh, and also it's just, I mean, it's cool. It's cool that they're doing this. The, the proceeds are going to charity, uh, for comic book artists to help them when they're, um, like when they have giant medical issues and they can't pay their bills or stuff like that, you know. Um, so it's really cool. Hopefully it'll be a great time. Uh, I spent enough money trying to get there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. but well, make sure you uh, you plug this podcast not because it's a it's world famous, which it is, but because of your amazing Stan Lee episode, people need to definitely know about that one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll see what I can do. But uh, the reason I remember it is because BlazeCon, Chris from the CNC Power Hour, is going with us. There we go. So uh, anyway, uh, do check out his show, CNC Power Hour, over on Twitch, where they stream Magic the Gathering and video games throughout the week. Wow. And also uh, our website, where you can find all of our episodes. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to say that That's part. I was going to say, as, as you've been waiting for me to take control. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he chose Mike. not to. <laughs> I chose to be silent. <laughs> um, our Stanley episode is on there. Go check it out if you haven't. You can also find uh, last week's episode where we talked about VR. And next week, you can find our episode about the Super Mario Brothers. Please. It's me, Mario. 
It's a me, Luigi, Mario's little brother that no one likes. It's me, Waluigi. <laughs> Wario. <laughs> Why am I not in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate? <laughs> and is Luigi really dead? Question mark. Da-da-da-da. Find out. Find out this stuff. Just come back. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cuzzler Nerds. Stay up to date with all the nerdy news and podcast drops by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also leave us comments and feedback at cuzzwernerds at gmail.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, which we know you did, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Facebook or any place that you can find the podcast. Next week... Wrapping up our month-long Level Up celebration, we're taking a look at the notorious Super Mario Bros. live-action movie. Why was it made? What went wrong? And is it really as bad as its reputation implies? Find out next week on Cuz We're Nerds. And they said together, Stay Nerdy! Human listener, here is your choice. A. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. B. Caleb and Zach will both die. Choose. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. (coughs) Choice was made. Successfully. (laughs) 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 The end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm stopping it.